What's going on, baby? Welcome back. Welcome back. Five, six, ace high school football podcast here in Palm Beach County, Florida. Yes, it's me, the one and only. If there's another, he must be a phony. Coach Jamel Stewart. Listen, I have some things that I'm going to bring to you today that I want to communicate to the people out there in football world, high school football world, especially to some of you parents about some of your kids. And I'm definitely going to highlight some of the kids that really came onto my radar uh, midway through the high school football season. But the first thing, you know, the one biggest thing that I've been getting a lot of questions about, um, I think I briefed over it in another episode, was about reclassification or re reclassifying your student athlete. All right. So what the reclassification is, a lot of people didn't know what it was. They heard the term a lot. Reclassification is basically when you take your child, if your child is normally going into the eighth grade, going into the ninth grade, and you say, I want to reclass them. Reclass them is basically held, holding them back and making them repeat a certain grade. Whatever that grade may be, you're holding them back, making them repeat that grade. Oh, excuse me. What that grade, so what I did, even with my child, I had my, I reclassed my son in the seventh grade. So he was going to, he was going into the eighth grade. I said, no, you know what? We're going to reclass. Why do people do this? When you look at football recruiting right now on a, on a college level, what they're doing is they're taking a lot of kids from the transfer portal, portal. They're taking a lot of kids from the transfer portal. Why are they taking kids from the transfer portal? Look at yourself as a college coach. Put yourself in a college coach shoes or a college recruiter shoes. At the end of the day, college coaches have really two to three years to really produce and show that they belong in that position that they're in. All right. Whether it be their OC, DC, whatever you the recruiter, head coach, you have to win. You have to produce. OK, so how do I produce my way of producing? I have to bring in the best talented players that can impact my program right now. OK, so that's the difference between bringing in a kid that's 21 years old, that's been in college already, that has already uh, walked the landscape of the college world, understands what a college landscape is, been in a college program. Or do I go ahead and bring in a 17 or 18 year old? or 19 year out of high school that really we don't know what that child is going to do at this level. Think about it. So who are you going to take right now? You know, five years ago, I could say six, seven years ago, you can redshirt a kid and basically redshirt and basically say, you know what? You coming into my college program, you know, you're getting a football scholarship, but instead of a four year scholarship, we're going to give you a five year scholarship. However, that first year is your developmental year. That first year is your developmental year. You can go ahead and, and learn how to navigate the campus, navigate the college world, navigate the landscape of football. You can get bigger. You can get faster. Um, you can learn our system here at our program, at our school, so that you can come out and compete coming into your next year, your second year. So that first year really doesn't count, but they don't do that anymore. You rarely hear of kids redshirting right now because kids right now want to go into college and play their freshman year. Colleges want players that can come in and impact them right now. They're not about developing kids or developing talent. They want that talent already developed. They want you already big enough. They want you strong enough to impact yourself already your freshman year. Also, when you look at kids that are staying in college before they're leaving out, going into the NFL draft or whatever it may be, they're staying in two to three years. They're staying in at least three years. All right. So they're leaving. They're leaving early. All right. So when you look at the reclassification 
of a kid early on. In Florida, guess what? You can't really reclass after, I mean, in a high school, you can't. So if you want to reclass your child, you got to do it in elementary or middle school. And for every parent, you know, you know the development of your child. Talk to coaches, talk to high school coaches and see, is your child big enough? If you're, Is your child fast enough? Do you think your child have, you know, the, the mental capability to go ahead and impact and play football as a ninth grader on a high school level? Years ago, JV football was important. JV football, freshman football was developmental football to get you prepared for varsity football. However, if you want to be a big time football player and get recruited by the big time programs, you have to be on that field and be able to get recruited and get film as early as eighth grade. You know, that's that's crazy, right? That's crazy. You get a head start being in the eighth grade and being able to play varsity football is awesome. Is awesome. What you do is you get your name out there in the recruitment world because you're an eighth grader. And now what they're looking at is saying, wow, if this kid is competing now, because an eighth grader, think about it, an eighth grader is competing in varsity football. Eighth graders are usually what, 13, 14 years old? And they're competing with 17 and 18 year old on a varsity level. So if they're impacting that world right now as a 13 or 14 year old, high school colleges know, like, say, you know what? By the time this kid, four years from now, oh my gosh, the game is going to be in a slow down, you know, for this kid. This kid is going to be immaculate by that time. And all you have to do as an eighth grader or a ninth grader, I say really an eighth grader, if you look the part. So if you have the, if you pass that eye test, do you have the physique? Do you have the height? You know, when the coaches look at you for that specific position. You know, it, you know, looking at your position, do you fit that criteria? And this is how the coaches draw up that criteria. They look at the NFL. They look at the guys that are drafted going into the NFL at those specific positions, and they take the average weight and height and say, these are the type of kids that we're looking for because this is what the NFL is looking for. You know, so look at your position group and try to figure out what that height and weight is and then college coaches can look at you. They can look at your wingspan. They're going to measure your arms from fingertip to fingertip, depending on what position you, you're playing. They're going to look at your feet to see what type of shoes you wear. They're going to measure your shoulders to try to see the length of your shoulders. You know, so a lot of college coaches, they'll come around with that measuring tape. They'll come visit your school to see what your physique is at the end of the day. And if you're an eighth grader and you pass that eye test, if your hands are big, you got that wingspan. You're tall. You know, you're looking at your feet. Some kids are linking. They know at that time, that, that eighth grade year, they know that you're still going to develop. They know you're going to get taller. All right. Now, all you got to do is go out on that field. Guess how many plays you have to make? You don't have to make a lot of plays your eighth grade year. You can go out there and say, you know what? I'm starting. I'm getting reps on varsity. You can go out there and make a handful of plays. And I guarantee you can walk away with offers or stars. Stars are very important. Stars are very important. It's very important for you to market yourself with those stars, going to camps, going to different things of that nature, especially if 247 is there, 247 sports. They get you on point. All right. So that's where a lot of your stars come from, because college coaches, when they recruit kids with stars, they get like points on their system. So college recruiters basically have to bring in certain kids with certain amount of stars because it's almost like, oh, man, we got a three star. So it makes their evaluation of their recruitment a little higher. All right. So it's, it's very important. So when you look at that reclassification, I'm going to recap this for you. When you look at reclassifying your, your child or your, 
or your player or whatever it may be, you know what your child can do. All right. Some parents, you have to be honest with yourself. If you're not honest with yourself, go to some coaches or go to some schools in your area and try to look at and see, okay, what do you think about my child? Do you think my child is ready for high school football as a ninth grader? Do you think my child need to be reclassified? All right. That's the question that you need to ask yourself. Ask the youth football coach. Go ask some um, high school football coaches to try to see, do you think he's ready or will he be on JV a freshman? And the reason why I tell you this is that, like I said earlier, with that transfer portal, the way that they're bringing in kids, they're not recruiting seniors. So if your child is playing freshman and then play two years of JV, and then they don't play varsity into their senior year, most likely they're not they're not going to get seen. And I'm not saying that there's zero chance that they're going to be seen. It's just going to be harder. It's going to be harder for them to be seen by top-notch colleges because at that time, colleges have already recruited that class already. So now they're working two years out. So right now we're in what? We're in the fall season of 2023, right? So kids that are graduating this spring, class of 2024, right now, if they haven't been recruited or they don't have offers from FCS or or big-time schools, guess what? Most likely they're not coming. So a lot of the schools that's probably going to recruit them or look at them are going to be Division II, NAIA, Division III schools. You know, and I'm I'm talking about percentages and I'm just talking about things I know from being a a high school coach. So kids that are class of 24, class of 2024, if you're sitting here right now and you're waiting on an offer or you're waiting on a bigger opportunity, thinking that you're a division one prospect or FCS prospect right now, and you don't have any of those offers from those programs and you're a senior class of 2024, I'm letting you know. Is most likely that is not going to happen. If you have an offer and there's a good offer and you like that school, you need to take that offer. You need to go ahead and commit and lock in something right now. You know, you need to lock in something right now. Now, the thing is, some kids sit back and they, they listen to their, their high school coach. Oh, I'm working on this. I'm, I'm trying to make this happen for you. Or I'm, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Listen, son, I'm telling you, some coaches are going to say that just to keep you happy at that moment. At the end of the day, but this is what you need to do. You need to go ahead and say, you know what? I got this option on the table. I can go to school for free and I can play football. I'm going to take this option. Okay. Don't let these coaches fill your head up and let you think that uh, a D1 offer is coming in your senior year and it hasn't came yet. A coach hasn't called you. Coach is not recruiting you or whatever it may be. That offer is not there. All right. Trust me. If, if they wanted you, they would have you by now if you're a senior playing high school football, all right? And, and to be honest, if it's class of 24, even if it was class of uh, 25, class of 25, they already have moved on. They look, they're, looking at, they're looking at class of 26 by now. It's two years because they already have the kids on their board that they're recruiting. They already have them, all right? So class of, 20, class of 25, yeah, you know what? So we're talking about kids that are in their junior year. It's some possibilities there, but those possibilities are slim because right now they're they're looking at the class of 26. Right now, big-time schools are looking at the class of 26, okay? So I tell parents, um, reclassification is, is a thing. So either in elementary school, if you're looking at your kid and your kid wants to be a football player and wants to play top-notch football and you don't want to take no chances, reclassifying them is an option. You can do it in elementary school. You can do it in middle school. 
I know in the state of Florida, you can't really do it in high school. However, I do got a caveat to that though. Um, so if if you're if you're thinking about that, that's something that you have to take up depending on what school your child is at. Uh, there are some some hurdles that you may have to crawl, like you may have to go into a uh, independent school. You may have to, public schools will do it, but it depending on where you are. Uh, some counties are not used to it, and they want to know why because they do get dinged, especially the public school system. They get dinged for kids that are being kept behind, uh, especially if your kid is a straight A student. They're going to ask you, "Why are you trying to keep them behind?" So it, it really sometimes you can say, "Look." Is my kid social awareness? I don't think my kid is socially ready to go on to the next grade. I want my kid. I want my kid stay stand behind and actually taking some other type of courses. So it's up to you. You can do Florida virtual school. You can do some online school. You have these different options that you can take. So reclassify, reclassifying your student is something that you can go ahead and do. I have to say, when I talk about that that caveat, seniors, you know, there's an opportunity, especially in, in the state of Florida. You're coming into midway through your senior year and you haven't really received that offer that you want or really haven't had the opportunity to showcase your skill. There is a way you do it. You It may take some money out of your pocket or whatever, but there there is some hope there. There are some independent schools up in the Northeast that I know or even up in the Midwest. Um, there are boarding schools, prep schools that not even saying prep schools, but there are boarding schools that will be able to bring you in, reclassify you, reclassify. You should do it probably your junior year. You can go back in, reclassify, have two more years of football um, and then get get recruited. You got two more years of development to get bigger, faster, stronger, understand the makeup of, of high school football. And these coaches are known to put kids in D1 programs. There's a kid that I coached. And and right when I when I stepped down as as the head coach, I recognized for this young man going into his his senior year, I told him, like, on the field, he's dominant. He was dominant on the field. In the classroom, he wasn't as dominant. All right. He he was just getting by. And then at home, he was living in a very challenging environment. There's drug busts at his house. There's cops there all the time, just not in a positive environment for him. So it was a good thing for him, I thought, to get away, to go to school somewhere else. Now, at the time, I was still planning on coming back to coach him that next year. But for me, I said, you know what? I had a conversation with his dad and him, and I said, listen, I would love to have him play for me one more year. But for his development and what's best for him, he needs to get away from this environment. He needs to go somewhere else for school. So I talked to them about this whole reclassifying thing, going to a boarding school up in the Northeast, up in Vermont, put them on the phone with the high school coach up there. The high school coach told them, say, listen, our school costs $40,000 a year. However, we will bring your kid in um, for free, for free. We will reclass him. We will make sure that he gets all of the academic support that he needs. He will live here on campus. He will get three meals a day. We will fly him home when he wants to come home. You know, he'll get like two flights or whatever, two uh, travel vouchers to come home. All right. And the coach actually showed the pedigree of kids that actually came through this program, came through and where these kids were going. And actually, all these kids are going to top notch programs. And he, he showed he was like, listen. But this young man that you have is way better than these kids that have came through here. But I can tell you, this coach was there. He's been at this school for over 20 years. He's produced some of the top high school athletes 
that I know of. All right. And my goal was to try to get this kid into that environment to get him out of his home life situation. All right. And the dad understood it. Get him out. And then he was going to even bring in his little brother. His little brother is a year behind him. Say, look, we'll take your little brother, too. Your brother can come up here, too. It's going to take both of them. Let both of them play football, reclassify both of them, make sure they go off to college, make sure they get everything that they need. However, you know, one thing that I did is I, when I stepped back from coaching high school football, next coach came in. Now, I guess at that given point, I, that coach really was looking at what was best for their program and figured that, you know what, with the challenges that he's having, we still can make it happen. We still can get him to where he wants to be. He doesn't have to move away we still can get him to where he wants to be. And all our honesty and respect to that coach, that's what that coach felt. He, and he still feels that he can get him to where he, he needs to be, get him into a better situation. Um, the kid is dominant on the field. I think he's probably one of the top linemen in, in this area. Um, and however, like academically right now, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because of the challenges that this kid's face is not really about the coach can do whatever he wants to do on that field. But that coach cannot change that living environment what that kid has to go to at home. The coach can't change that whatsoever. Do I think that the coach is doing everything to try to get that kid to the, to the next level and trying to own up to it? Yes, I do. I think the coach is doing that. However, what that kid has to go home to every day after practice or what he has to wake up to in the morning? Is that kid getting sleep at night? You know, what what what's going on? Because the environment that the kid live in is not conducive for a kid. It's not a good quality of life. And the whole goal is to try to get this kid out of this, this environment. So the one thing that I tell coaches and, and I tell everybody, a lot of times we can't look at what's best for us as a coach. We have to look at what's best for the kids that's coming that's coming up through our program. You know, we have to take a step back and see what's the best situation for them to be in. You know, do I do I, I feel that, you know, I feel that the, the coach is going to serve all these kids to all of his full potential and the coaching staff going to do whatever they can do uh, to help that kid when it comes to football. But football is not everything. There's a lot of other added things that happen outside of football for these young men when they go home. All right. So we're going to see what happens when it comes to this kid. And I'll come back and update y'all. You know, when it comes to signing day or when it when it comes to that kid going off going off to school, um, because I truly think that this kid would have been a, a true miracle story uh, by going off, going to school up in Vermont and going to this boarding school to get out of his his living situation. And that's what it was about. It wasn't the, the culture around football. Uh, it was just more of his living situation that I think is hurting his academics and putting him in a conducive environment that we will all want our, our kids to to be brought up in you know so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually move on uh you know from from that recruitment piece but we talk about that reclassification and, and you can truly like inbox me or whatever it may be if you have any more questions when it comes to that reclassification and I'll give you more information on that now one thing that I do want to dive into right now is looking at mid-season here in, in Palm Beach County in South Florida of some kids that really have just jumped off the map and produced athletically. And it's one kid that I can say 
I've watched this kid, and it's very unique. And I and I I couldn't wait to really talk about this kid because he plays a he plays a unique position. Football, we already know that it's twenty two positions on the field. Where we're not really, yeah, it's twenty two spots on the field, twenty two players on the field. But this young man, he's a little white kid playing cornerback and locking it down. Listen, I took a look the other day. I googled how many white defensive backs are there in the NFL. There's not one. There's not one. And I'm like, wow. So is this position like more dominant for non-Caucasian kids or whatever it may be? However, the one thing that I love about the game of football is that it brings in all cultures, brings in everybody around one common cause. And this young man, he plays, and no matter what, no matter what your race, creed, whatever it may be, you got to have that dog in you. And I have to say, this kid has the dog in him. And I'm talking about Devin Connolly. He's a senior at Park Vista High School. Watched him the past two years where really I even seen him in youth football and watching his matriculation right now on what he's doing. He's not the biggest corner. No, he's not. He's not the biggest. He's probably 5'9", 5'10", right now. Um, He's not the biggest cornerback, but he also plays wide receiver. He plays everything on the the secondary from cornerback to safety. Um, He does everything that any coach wants them to do. He can play man-to-man. He's disciplined in zone. He attacks the ball at the highest point. And when I say play man-to-man, I watched him play against some of the talented, the most talented wide receivers here in Palm Beach County and hold them to at least one or zero catches and played against kids that are committed to University of Miami. You know, so he's not playing against just no, no talented kids whatsoever. He's doing this day in and day out against quality talent. Quality talent is a quiet kid on the field. Quiet kids doing great in the classroom, high, high GPA. Listen, and now the coaches, you know, I talked to his defensive coordinator and the coach is actually saying, you know what? Oh, man, I, I had him at corner, but I had to move him to safety because he was just locked down one side of the field. And, you know, our other side of the field was getting torched. Nobody would throw his way anymore. So now the coach moved him to safety. So now he can help out both of the corners. This kid is flying sideline to sideline. He's getting interceptions. I think he has like five or six interceptions midway through the season. Um, multiple pass breakups on the defensive side of the ball. But he also is making plays on the offensive side of the ball. Anybody can come in and show you highlights against less talented teams. All right. So people can show you film against less talented teams that they're playing or whatever it may be. When college recruiters are looking at film and they're seeing you running down the field, making all these interceptions, doing whatever. Sometimes they really don't know who you're playing against. They probably won't know the name of the school. However, when you're making talented plays, against top-notch talent, four-star, five-star receivers on the defensive side of the ball, and you up in their face challenging them man-to-man, all right, when they're bigger and, you know, they're stronger and they're faster than you. He's not a 4-3 guy. He's not a 4-3 guy whatsoever. He's not blazing fast, but he's disciplined. and He's a dog, all right? So I tell people the defensive back position is not a football position. I don't see it as a position. I see it as a mindset. It's a mindset. I think it's one of the hardest positions on the field. You're lining up out there on the island by yourself. When you're the, that's at the only position that defensive back. When you get beat, everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. So you have to have that mindset just to know to come back. Like, hey, I just put that behind me. 
But one thing I can say, I haven't seen this kid get beat. I haven't seen him get beat yet. I see him stand in the paint, 10 toes down, 10 toes down, stand in the paint and battle the best receivers that we have in this area. And some of these kids have committed to top-notch schools. These are four-star, five-star receivers in this area. And he said, you know what? I'm up for the challenge. Line me up, coach. I want to follow their best guy, and I'm going to lock him down. And he's done that. He's done that. And then on the offense, guess what? He doesn't come off the field. He's on kick return, punt return. He does everything. Block field goals. The kid does it all. The kid does it all. I'm talking to So when you look at his... When you look at his projection, like when you look at colleges, do I think he's going to be a D1? No, we don't think he's going to be a D1 player because he he doesn't have that height. He doesn't pass that high, that high test. But when I say like a Division II player, he can be a top Division II player. I truly I truly think that some of these big programs, these D1AA Division II programs that are out there that's looking for a defensive back, an athlete. I call him an athlete. Not really. A, I'm, I'm just biased because I'm a defensive back coach. I'm a DB guy. But I think he can play any any skill position on the field. And you're talking about a kid that's going to give you 110% at everything that he does. And he's not afraid. He's a dog. He has that heart in him. And that ball in the air, he's going to go get it. And he wants to be, he wants to be challenged. He wants to be challenged. He's not running from that fight. You have some DBs that's just out there to look pretty. He's not out there to look pretty. He's out there to grind. He's out there to knock, lock, to lock down. And guess what? The school that he's at, they, they're not known as a big-time football program. They're not. This kid could have left and played at any school in the county, I truly agree, and started. However, he stayed where he is, so that loyalty is there. He stayed at his program at his high school. You know, all these other kids bounce around and go wherever, but this kid stayed there knowing that he won't be surrounded by a lot of talent. But at the school that he's at, he know he was playing against the top-notch schools in the area. He stayed there and said, you know what? I'm going to stay here, and I want to lock down the best players. I want to lock down. So college coaches that are out there, listen, if you're looking for a dog and you're looking for a kid that's going to come in and give you 110%, that you can line up on either side of the ball that's going to make plays for you, that have great hands, that have the great ball awareness, that had the tenacity – to line up and walk up in a receiver face and probably want to play bump and run and want to challenge them, this is the guy that you need to go with. You need to look this kid up. Look up Devin Connolly. He is at Park Vista High School. He's doing his thing. I'm telling you right now, you're missing out on something. So schools, contact the school right now. Contact their head coach. You need to go and check out this kid film. You need to check it out. And I'm actually have some links and have some videos from his film, but that's, that's very big. Now, I think another kid that I've watched also from youth football who I think is probably one of my, I mean, like one of my favorite kids to really just watch. He's so humble, so quiet. He doesn't complain about anything. He can play a lot of positions on the field. However, I, I, I've i been trying to convert him uh, and tell him to play defensive back and get reps at defensive back because I think he can be dominant at that. But, you know, he truly loves wide receiver and, you know, kids going to do what they want to do, which I, which I respect. And he's good at it. Mark Hannaford, he's at, he's at Atlantic High School. He's a sophomore. Sophomore. Sophomore wide receiver right now at Atlantic High School. Listen, what's that, class of 26? Listen, this kid is dominant. Um, watch him attack the ball in there. Listen, you're not going to have that 4-3-4-4 four, four, four speed whatsoever, but you have that length. You have the strong hands. You have the good hand-eye coordination. This kid can do it. He's also he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback, too. He can play both sides. He hits like a freight train at safety. He can play cornerback. Um, he can do it all. However, at the receiver, I think he has some more room to grow. Uh, when you look at him right now, like I think he's about 6'2 right now. 
probably about 180, but he's going to get bigger. And you're talking about two years from he got his first offer from UMass, uh, which I think is plenty more to come. That's just the first one, which is a great program that's doing some highly recruiting down here in, in South Florida. But um, right now he, he's making those catches. He doesn't get the ball thrown to him a lot. Um, however, when the ball does come his way, he's making those plays. He can block. He's physical. He's aggressive. He's not scared. And he knows the game of football. He's not afraid to go across the middle. He's not. He's not afraid to go across the middle. He's not afraid to take a hit whatsoever. When you're looking for a play to be made, you can put that ball anywhere in the vicinity of Mark Hannaford and Mark is going to catch the ball. I haven't found anybody that can say anything negative about Mark. You know how a lot of times uh, when you talk about great players, you can go ask coaches, uh, what can you tell me about this kid? Oh, the kid can play football. And they knew they used this word, but there's no, but when it comes to Mark Hannaford, he can do it all. Guess what? He's doing it in the classroom as well. And I'm going to tell you he's doing it in his classroom because if he wasn't doing it in his classroom, his mama don't play. His mama don't play. So she, <laughs> trust me, his mama don't play whatsoever. So the kid is, his GPA is, is crazy. I think he's got like a 4.2 um, GPA. So he's doing it in the classroom. He's doing it out on the football field. He comes to practice every day. He's on time. He's working out in the weight room. The kid is, he, he's going to be a freak of nature when you look at it. He's just so young. His body, he hasn't really grown into his body now. He, he's constantly working out in the off season. Constantly. He's constantly trying to perfect his craft. All the time. You know, the kid doesn't give any lip to anybody. So when you talk about a kid that you would want around your program, um, a baller on the field, somebody that's respectful, somebody that can really portray you as a, as a coach or somebody that can portray your program, that's Mark Hannaford. So he's doing a great job by portraying, you know, what Atlantic embodies at Atlantic High School for, for Coach Murray and the rest of the coaching staff. So I know Mark is, Mark, by the time he leaves, uh, and when he graduated in two years, he will be known as one of the top wide receivers in the state of Florida. There's no doubt in my mind. Because when you look at the height, his his wingspan, his arms, you look at his hands. Look at his hand-eye coordination. This kid is that. He is that. Mark is that guy. You know, whatsoever. I think he should be getting the ball thrown to him 10 to 15 times a game, no matter what. His his routes of Chris. We took Mark on a uh, on a college tour. Mark was only an eighth grader. We took him on a college tour with a lot of high school kids. We took him around the country, going around. We went to so many camps, and nobody knew that he was only in middle school. Nobody knew that he was in middle school. So I'm telling you, this is going to be a kid that's really going to open a lot of eyes of a lot of people. I can tell you that. And and for him and his environment, I already know where what his pedigree is because I know his his family, you know, and what what they're about and what his mom is about. He, he's a stellar kid. He's a stellar athlete. He's a stellar student. Mark Hannaford is, is one of those is one of those kids. So um, make sure you make sure you go ahead and, and, and take a look. Google his stuff. I'm gonna have some of his clips playing as well. <laughs> 